tough home defeat, but just when it looked like a loss was inevitable, Indiana Vasilev came off the bench and bailed them out. Hello everybody, you are listening to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to inter-Miami podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. This is our 101 episode, or our 101st episode. The show is also known as Miami Total Football Radio, and we are very, very excited to get going with our next 100 episodes, the start of our journey to the next 100. That 100th episode, a lot went into trying to to put it together. Obviously, we did our, our usual thing, but we had DeAndre Yedlin uh, on as a special guest. We also had a giveaway. We made an announcement with regards to a Spanish podcast that we'll be doing as well, a Spanish language podcast that we'll be doing of Miami Total Football Radio. So a lot went into it, a lot of planning. Now that that is in the rearview mirror, we can get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So my name is Franco Panizo. I am one third of your co-hosting team this week. That's because Island Jose, aka Jose Armando, he is not in the house this week, but we have two of our other co-hosts here, Steve El Primo Brenner and Andrea Yanis. Andrea, I still don't have a nickname for you, so we are working on that, but how are you doing? Hi, guys. Nice to be on this week uh, to talk about Inter Miami again. Nice to be on the 101st episode. 100, I would say 101. Yeah. <laughs> it's 101st episode so glad to be here and 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 glad to be talking about the team with you guys and andrea figures to be a bigger part during this journey to the next 100 because she had just just started to come onto the pod there towards the tail end of the last 100 steve welcome back as well how are you doing today i'm doing very well mate doing very well enjoying the lack of soccer coming from europe right now but just obviously watching mls but also watching a bit of tennis Bit of Wimbledon right now, which is on, which is awesome. Did you say you're enjoying the lack of soccer, or did you say you're? Did, did you yeah, say- <laughs> yeah. I think I just needed a break from it. Yeah, sometimes it just gets too much. The end of the Premier League season definitely was so f- full on, and the Champions League and everything. It's just, it's just nice to take a breather. I mean, in normal times we'd be in the middle of the World Cup right now. Um, so, yeah, I think just you know, let, let just give everyone everyone a bit of time to breathe, and then we can uh, start again. But into Miami, carry on. Andrea, Continue. nothing stops. Andrea, is there is there such thing as too much soccer? Oh well, after the years that we've been having because of the pandemic and all everything getting cramped in, I guess Steve's right. It's feel it feels weird without having any competition during the summer. But... Tennis, the tennis is on. Watch, <laughs> no, watching the tennis. Yeah, about football, tennis. I've been watching Wimbledon. It's been good. Yeah. I was watching Rafa, and he's mm-hmm. doing he's doing good. He's doing good. So. It's nice to have tennis. It's nice to have other sports. Formula One also is is going to England this weekend. So it's nice to be able to <laughs> like enjoy all, all the other sports instead of, uh, of, of, of football because then you, you have Wimbledon at the same time and then everyone is like, oh, okay, Wimbledon again. <laughs> Shame on you guys. Shame on both of you for saying such such blasphemy here on Miami Total Football Radio. There can never be enough football. There can never be enough soccer. But no, I listen. I get Steve's point. Um, sometimes when, when you're... When you're headfirst into it all, especially when you're working in it, um, you know, taking a step back, taking a breather is is a good thing. Unplugging for a little bit, as I like to say. But, but 
Give me, give me soccer any day of the week over any other sport. Give me football any day of the week over any other sport. That's just me, though. That's my personal, personal opinion and preference. But anyway, we have quite a bit to get to this week because there was a game over the weekend that had some late dramatics, the return of the heart-stopping Herons, as I like to call them last year, or as I called them last year for a stretch when they were winning games late on. They have a game coming up on July 4th, Independence Day, against the FC Dallas. We will touch on that game as well there's also a new signing we're gonna dive into that as well as gareth bale and the obviously he's moved on to or he's moving to lafc signing with lafc but inter miami was involved in that process steve has some inside information on that so we will discuss that we're going to talk about gonzalo higuain we're going to talk about bryce duke give you some injury updates on three inter miami players so we've got quite a bit to get to. As you can tell, Steve is already playing very, very nice with Andrea because he doesn't want Jose to come on next week and bust some skulls here on the podcast. But I promise you it will be with the same fiery uh, passion that we always have. Because here on Miami Total Football Radio, football es pasión. Soccer is passion or equals passion. I don't know. I'll work on that. But anyway, you guys ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, guys, so Inter Miami returned home to Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Saturday night for the first time in about a month. And they picked up a 2-1 to come-from-behind victory over Minnesota United. Minnesota United scored in the 65th minute. Luis Amarilla scored from in close. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then Indiana Vasilev off the bench. Scores in the 87th and 90th minutes to push Inter Miami to a victory. Three more points for the South Florida side. This was the starting lineup. Drake Callender in goal. DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Ryan Saylor, and Christopher McVeigh made up the back four. Ryan Saylor replaced Amey Mabika from the week before. Your midfield triangle were Gregory, Victor Ulloa, and Bryce Duke. And then your attacking trident consisted of wingers Robert Taylor and Ariel Lasseter. Up top, leading the way, Leonardo Campana. So, Inter Miami pulls it out. Let's start with your overall thoughts and analysis on this one. We'll go ladies first, Andrea. Uh, well, Inter Miami began the game um, as they always do. Uh, having some problems, uh, not keeping consistency uh, when they play. But I think that overall, um, they were able to get past that after losing 1-0 in the beginning of the second half. They were able to get past that because uh, Phil was intelligent this time with the changes that he made. He read the game correctly. He, Him and his uh, team read the, read, read the game correctly and made the correct changes that needed to happen. Phil learned from past mistakes with his changes a couple of times we've called him out here in the podcast because we don't understand why he he plays so defensive but in this time he understood that he needed to win he needed to at least tie the game and he went for it he went for all attacking changes so I like that I really like that and the team was better because of that um and I guess the players react better when their coach supports them and instead of 
forcing them to go on the defensive side. He, he forced them to play. And I think they, they took advantage of that. Uh, the, the three players that came in, Emerson, uh, Iguain, and Indiana Vasilev, of course. And I think they, they did a good job. Also, I, I want to say that um, the game changed when uh, Minnesota thought that they had maybe the game in the bag Maybe they have seen Inter Miami in the past, and they thought they had the game in the bag. And uh, the the coach took off um, um, his defensive midfielder uh, Joseph Rosales, who was having a um, a good game. Then the game changed uh, because he only played with one defensive midfielder, who was Kermin Arriaga, who made a mistake in in the first goal of Indiana left. So I think that moment changed the game because. The, uh, in Minnesota's coach Adrian Heath tried to be uh, a, a defensive mentality and feel on the other side um, like he he really really this time he really got it that he needed to to at least tie this game. So how did I know that you would drop in a Joseph Rosales reference because he's Honduran obviously so of course Andrea is going to mention him and talk wonderful things about him and how you great didn't he was. have to call me out man. <laughs> hey I can't let that one slide and hey listen if Jose was here and he did it I would do the exact same thing and he absolutely Jose would do Jose would wax even more poetry than you did about how crucial and how wonderful Joseph Rosales did uh in this in this game look I agree with you that after the goal, after Minnesota United took the lead in the 65th minute, a couple minutes later, maybe around the 70th minute mark, Adrian Heath, Minnesota United's coach, Minnesota United's coach, he goes to a back five. Very Phil Neville-esque in that way. And I think that that invited more pressure from Inter-Miami. And Phil Neville then saw, okay, they have five at the back. Let's start pushing numbers forward. Obviously, they had to anyway because they were down 1-0. And I think you got the byproduct of what we saw, or you saw, we got what we saw, which was Inter Miami starting to throw numbers forward, looking a little bit more, I won't say dangerous, but they were penetrating a little bit more. They were knocking the ball around a little bit better. And then they get the equalizer from Indiana Vasilev, a great diagonal run, nice ball from Bryce Duke. We'll touch on it in more detail in just a little bit. And then obviously another finish there in the 90th. History. For Inter-Miami, history for Indiana Vasilev, history for MLS. The first time a player has come off the bench that late in a game and scored the both the equalizer and the game winner after the 80th minute. So Indiana Vasilev goes into the MLS history book. Steve, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great game, was it? Certainly, and it just typical Inter-Miami, just huffed and puffed, couldn't really get the ball in, into, the, into the box enough didn't dominate enough. I thought that Greg Ore coming back was was good. And then, yeah, the, the two late goals were just, that was out of nowhere. But just, I don't know, you've got to guess, give them credit for sticking in there. And, you know, at 1-0 down, it, it didn't look that great. And they weren't really creating anything. And then Higuain came on and kind of just gave Minnesota, I guess, different things to think about. And in the end, yeah, brilliant, dramatic win. But, you know, that's what they need to do. They need to, to, to keep winning, but trying to... Maybe dominate or certainly play better from the from the start, not not having to come behind. It shows good character, I think. So they've continued to make Drive Pink Stadium somewhat of a fortress. They they haven't lost there since April, so they're on a roll there at home. They need to start picking up points, more points away from home. Something they acknowledged 
this week in training. But again, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's dive into Indiana Vasilev's performance. Andrea, what does this performance do for Indiana Vasilev's standing in the team, in your opinion? Does it make him a starter again? Because he didn't start this one, obviously. He came off the bench. He had been starting here and there, but this one he does not start. Does this put him back into the lineup? Does it make, does it give Phil Neville an option, a, a more concrete option off the bench? How do you think Inter-Miami or Inter-Miami's technical staff will, will look at Indiana Vasilev after this game? I think it solidifies what we were talking last week, that uh, Indiana Vasilev is a super sub for this team. I think um, he demonstrated that he can have 10 minutes and have an impact in the game when they need him. So I don't think uh, this performance deserves just <laughs> for him to be a starter from now on. He has to keep showing this. And if, if he keeps it up, he's going to be a starter. But he needs to keep it up. I think this, this solidifies what we were talking about last week, as I said, that he is a super sub. And that that is exactly what the team needs from him. Because remember, he's only on loan. He's not going to be here next year. So that is what you need from him. Steve, you're sighing over there or you're exhaling. No, not at all. Go on. <laughs> I, heard, I heard an exhale. Did, that, did nobody else hear that exhale? Did, did yeah, you, I heard, I heard that. You heard that? Yeah. <laughs> it was acting like bait or something it was, it was like that. nothing to do with what she said at all. No, nothing. nothing. Uh, look, oh, he's scared of Jose. You, listeners, you hear that? You hear the trembling in his voice? He's scared of Jose. Okay. All right. Steve, what do you think this does for Indiana Vasilev? Does it put him in the conversation? I mean, I imagine he's still in the conversation. Does it put him back as the preferred option as a starting winger? Or is it still to be determined what his what his role will be defined as on this team? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I bet Indiana, Indiana Vasilev thinks that he should be starting the next game for sure. But at least it gives Phil Neville and the coaching team, at least it gives them options, you know, different things to, to throw about. Could he, I don't know, what do you think? Could he play in, in place of Robbie Robinson or... Where's his Where's his best position? Do you think? Well, Robbie Robinson's hurt, so I would right, say but I mean, in that in that kind of ilk, you know. Right, right. Well, that, so that, yeah. so that's so I agree with Andrea that you know a two goal performance obviously helps your cause for more minutes. Obviously, it, it does it does wonders um, for your standing. It's going to raise your uh, your stock in a coaching staff's eyes. But I agree that he is. You don't pen. Uh, excuse me. You don't put him in as an automatic starter off of this. This is just one game. They scored two goals on late. They were well taken goals, absolutely. But to become an entrenched starter, to become a an every game starter, he would have to make more of an impact consistently. I still think, like Andrea, that at this point he is a substitute on this team, someone that can give you some energy off the bench. Someone that can provide a spark. We saw it even last year. If I'm not mistaken, he definitely scored one, maybe two goals late on. So it seems like he has that that uh, weapon in his arsenal or in his game. Or he has that pension to do so. So I think right now he's still uh, a bench option. Occasional, occasional spot starter. But I think Robert Taylor, Emerson Rodriguez, yeah. the new signing, which we will again dive into a little bit later, I think... Those are all players that, even Ariel Lasseter, for as 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 much as he's been probably the best winger on this team this season, I don't think his place will be will be cemented 
when when all the players are available. So I think once the, once the new new signing comes in, I think you're going to see more competition, and I think you'll see whoever's in the best moment in that given time, whether it's Vasilev, Lasseter, Taylor, etc. I think that's I think that's what it, we're going to see. It, you also have to see who uh, performs better playing in midfield. Because we know that Phil, his wingers have to have a defensive responsibility and sometimes have to play from from the midfield. So we have to see how is that he he has a competition obviously in in his position, but also with Robert Taylor, for example, that one time he plays on the, on the midfield and one time he plays through the wing. So Phil likes to do that with those players, with Indiana included, because he uh, the first game he played he played in the midfield. So you have to take into account that because. Feels, feel likes likes to do that actually with with his wingers. <laughs> I, I I did like what he brought in terms of the energy, in terms of the ideas, in terms of the movement. Because I think one of the problems that Remind Me had in this game, and I, I didn't really give my overall thoughts on the entire game, but one of the problems that the team had is that it was too static. The players were too static. There wasn't enough movement in the attack. They weren't making diagonal runs uh, in and around the box. And I thought that made them very predictable. And the tempo was slow. Maybe you could attribute the humidity. It was a very humid night in South Florida. Maybe you could point to that as being partially responsible. But Inter Miami's the home team. They've talked about using the weather to their advantage. So I don't necessarily know if you can just point the finger on the humidity. They, they needed to have more movement. They needed to have more diagonal runs. And that first goal, the equalizing goal, excuse me, from Vasilev comes when he makes a diagonal run in the penalty area. And Bryce Duke, great through ball to find Vasilev. Vasilev with a heck of a finish there uh, with his left foot. So it was just one moment of of great football from Inter Miami. Bryce Duke with a, an exquisite pass. And at the exact moment that Indiana Vasilev makes that run into space. So I thought they needed a little bit more of that. Indiana Vasilev brought that. I will say this. And I know that it might not be what Inter Miami fans want to hear, um, but the second goal, the game-winning goal, I thought Leonardo Campana got away with a foul on the defender that was challenging for the aerial ball before it falls to Vasilev and he finishes it at the near post. I thought Leonardo Campana got away with with a foul there. He 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 he's looking to contest the aerial ball. But he doesn't really look for the ball. He just kind of slams into the defender a little bit. And yes, it's a contact sport. And and it wasn't... They need some luck. Oh, sure. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I thought the same as you, Franco. And I yeah. told you when the, the goal was, I told I, I said in the press box, like, I think they're going to annul it. I, how do you say yeah. it in English? Yeah. Cancel annul it, it, cancel it, wave it off. Yeah, yeah. No. I, <laughs> and, and it, look, you, it could have happened. It, it could have happened. Yeah, it could it could have been it could have been. They were lucky. I think they were lucky. And you need luck sometimes, they, like Steve said. You do need yeah. to get luck sometimes, and they got it maybe, on this one. But yeah, maybe I think the 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 referee said like, no, I saw it, and maybe from VAR because they checked it on VAR, mm-hmm. but he said like, no, I I saw it, and it's not a foul. So right, it has I to think, be clear and blatant, and there it's not clear yeah. and blatant. Even though I think, let me I think tell it was you, a foul. I think if if this if this was like. Um, national teams play, playing, they would have uh, called a foul from Campana. But it's MLS, so I think the the referee <laughs> didn't want to get into trouble. Oh, that's two weeks. That's two weeks in a row that Andrea's going studs up on MLS refereeing. But look, I think I think it was just it was a bang bang play in the moment. 
He didn't call it, and to overturn it, it has to be very clear and obvious. It's not very clear and obvious, although I do think it was a foul, and I think Campana got away with it. It wasn't very clear and obvious, so no foul, goal stands, Inter-Miami wins. And like Steve said, sometimes you need that luck. There's times where the luck goes against you, sometimes where the luck goes in your favor. It's just how it, you know, this was this time it went in Inter-Miami's preference. It wasn't an outrageous or scandalous yeah. no-call, but I do think that Campana... Got away with it a little bit there. Steve, Phil Neville made three substitutions in this game. Normally, he he goes for more, but this time he only went for three. Gonzalo Higuain for Robert Taylor, Emerson Rodriguez for Victor Ulloa, and Indiana Vasilev for Ariel Lasseter, or Ariel Lasseter. Those substitutions gave Inter-Miami more of an attacking edge, Again, I don't think you can discount that Minnesota United went to five at the back, inviting more pressure, something that we have been critical, or some of us have been critical about with regards to Phil Neville and some of uh, the tactics he he deploys at times in terms of inviting pressure when he goes to that five-man back line. So I think you have to take that into account. But with those three substitutions, Inter-Miami gets more in the attack. They have more numbers forward, and obviously they they find a way to get, get it done. What did you think of Phil Neville's substitutions Steve, they were attacking, weren't they? They were they were attacking substitutions, but it had to be done because it, whatever was going on before just wasn't wasn't working. So you know you've got to you've got to take a chance. And nil nil, you're probably less he's less likely to make those changes because the game is still in the balance. But when you've got to chase it and you're one nil down, you give you know throw throw just try and be as positive as, as possible. And yeah, and it it worked. It doesn't always work, uh, but this time it worked. It's a treat, you know, sending on the guy that. And then scores two in two in two minutes, whatever it was. Yeah, so it worked, didn't it? And that's it. That's the game. One thing that I did not like about this game before the final minutes was that the team, again, not a lot of movement, a bit too static, a bit too slow in terms of passing the ball and moving the ball. Again, humidity may have been been a part of that. But another thing I did not like with regards to the attack was that there weren't many numbers forward at times. And it took Inter-Miami too late into that second half until they were down, essentially, to start throwing more numbers forward. And I get that Phil Neville wants to, wants to close up the back and not, not allow a lot of spaces and try to, try to protect that goal and, and keep that zero and the clean sheet. But in doing so, I think you don't take enough chances or you don't risk enough at the other end and that makes you very predictable to play against and in this one before the substitutions which I think helped change the game of course you saw at times four attackers against six or seven Minnesota United players and that's obviously a numerical disadvantage you normally want numerical advantages when you're in the attack because that gives you more numbers to knock the ball around and to exploit space. Where here with four players attacking seven, at times it's it's easy easier to defend. Obviously, some very good combination play or some individual brilliance can still unlock a defense in that type of situation. But I saw just too many moments where the team did not have enough going forward. So once the substitutions came in, once Phil Noble changed and, and made it a more attack-minded approach, I think that's when Inter-Miami started to, to look more dangerous and clearly they were able to make it count. Andrea, your thoughts? Well, as I was telling you in the beginning, I agree with you. Uh, the first half, bad. Uh, as 
well, we've seen the team all year. But I think Phil read read the game good, especially after Adrian Heath made those changes. He mm-hmm. took off Joseph Rosales, and uh, he changed. He he made a change that we would expect Phil to do. Like if he was winning one zero, <laughs> that is what Phil would do. So I think Phil read him well and read uh, the mistake that Adrian Heath did. Uh, and uh, he got the result because when Emerson and Gonzalo came in, the game changed. And um, I think they 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 were good. They were good for for the for well, the team. So, and but I think especially... I, do, I, do, I think I think so. Look, at zero zero in the sixtieth minute. The first substitution comes from Full Novel in the sixty first. Emerson Rodriguez for Victor Uyo. A defensive midfielder comes out, and a winger comes in. That dropped Robert Taylor into the midfield to to occupy one of those midfield spots. Rodriguez out on the wing. So. I think clearly at that point, Phil Neville was like, all right, we've gotten to this point. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. We need a little bit more juice in the attack. Exactly. So he brings in he brings in an attacker. He's looking for a result at home, of course. They give up a goal four minutes later to Luis Amarilla. Uh, a long switch to the left, an acrobatic, I guess you can call it a cross, but an acrobatic ball back in across the middle. It hits off Damian Lowe, falls to Amarilla from in close inside the six-yard box, and it's, it's a goal for Minnesota United. After that, they switched to five at the back, and I agree. Phil Neville, uh, yes, he read he the read, game. He read, read the game correctly, the game but but it was also necessity. But it was also necessity. It was also necessity. You're down yeah, one zero, so you like it's it's you know it, he had to go offensive. Well, he's not going to go defensive when they're down one zero. So while he does get credit for making the substitutions, and he does get credit for for managing the game. To the point where Jemani pulled it out of, out of you seen, know, pulled it out. It, it's it was out of necessity that he had to make these offensive substitutions. Well, we've seen this team also trying to get in in the game and feel. Uh, well, well, after going down while they're losing, we have seen this. But Phil always does a defensive uh, substitution. But in this time, he didn't. He put three he offensive players. He went for it. Yeah, he went. Yeah, for he it. went for it. And I think he read. He read. He's good for me. Adrian Heath is not a good uh, technical director, and uh, for me, if he if he would have uh, aguantar, as we say, in Spanish, if he would have kept it as is, you think Minnesota uh, would have closed uh, this uh, out? Yes, they would have won. But uh, uh, that change and that uh, that was the only change he did, right? But uh, when he took Joseph Rosales off, the game uh, changed. So I think um, Phil read that good, and he did a good job in in bringing uh, Gonzalo and in bringing um, Indiana after he scored. Obviously, he's gonna get all the praise. If he if they had lost, maybe we will be saying like it was unlucky that they couldn't score. But at least Phil tried. In other occasions, we've seen them losing against um, this team or that team, and they don't try as hard as they did in this game to win it. So yeah. you could you you could see that maybe change of mentality that Phil and the players also had because as I said at the beginning it's obvious the players are gonna respond better when you see that your coach make, make is making changes to to better the team offensively not only defensively. But by the way, Minnesota United made more than one substitution. They they made four if I'm not mistaken, four. So uh, you know that that obviously impacts things for them. But again, I think the switch to the, the back five definitely definitely. Hurt them. Okay, let's switch gears to Gonzalo Higuain because he was in the frame, I'll say, for both pictures. He's in the frame. He's in the photograph, but not necessarily directly involved. After the game, when we interviewed him, he said, 
you know, a, a lot of things about the the spirit of the team and the ability to come from behind and, and, and win. But he also talked about his lack of minutes and how he needs more minutes to get to his best. I asked him if he was 100%. If he was, you know, dealing with a knock that we didn't know about or, or dealing with some pain that we, didn't, we don't know about because I will share this with you listeners that when we got into the locker room 15 minutes as per stipulated by MLS rules after the final whistle, Gonzalo Higuain was taken to the massage table that's off to the side. And there's a curtain there. And the athletic trainers closed it so we couldn't see what's going on inside. So I thought he, he might have had an injury. So that's why I asked him the question. He said he's not dealing with an injury. He just has... Uh, Andrea, help me here. If you remember, I think he says his, the, he had, his, the plants he, of his feet hurt after, yeah, after each game. So yeah, Because he's not having enough game time. He needs. He said that he needs rhythm so that this doesn't happen because he's just training and getting 10 to 15 minutes. It's not enough for him. So, to be fully fit to play a match. Well, I think the, the, the you know, your feet hurting, you need a massage afterwards. I don't know if that has to do with just training and only playing 10, 15 minutes. I think that would still be there regardless. But anyway, his point was that he wants more minutes and that he is healthy. So now, I wish Jose was here because Jose was the one on this podcast, although, Andrea, you were backing him up, that was saying Gonzalo Higuain will return to the starting lineup. Leonardo Campana is not going to continue this, etc., etc., etc. Campana is the, the number nine. So starting number nine, the first choice option, probably the first name on the team sheet, if not one of the first teams on the team sheet for Phil Neville. How does Gonzalo Higuain, or does he at all, get into this lineup? Let's start with Steve here. Well, no, he doesn't really, does he? Not right now. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a straight shootout between him and Campana. So... Uh... No, I don't. I don't. I can't see how it, how he does. But it's interesting that he came out and said what what he had to say. No, he's clearly not not happy. But yeah, we've sort of known that for a while, haven't we? Really, he's definitely not happy just sitting on the bench. Um, well, for the but, record, for the record, I, I want I want to keep hearing you, Primo. But for the record, when he said it, just so the listeners are clear, it wasn't in an angry way. It wasn't in a sure. frustrated way. But he was expressing that. As a player, which all players want to play, right? So it's not like this is some some wild uh, declaration or wild comment, wild remark from him. He's just saying, I need more minutes than, you know, playing just 10, 15 minutes and training isn't isn't enough um, to, to really find the best rhythm. That's essentially. But he won't start. Place. He won't start him on Sunday, though. On, sorry, on Monday, will he? No, I, I don't. I don't think no. so. I don't think no. so. I, I mean, that's why you know, if if you have more to add on there and expand, you feel free. Uh, otherwise. I- I think uh, I think Gonzalo, oh, he said that, but also Emerson said that that they needed more minutes. The players that came in, he was referring to himself, to Gonzalo and Indiana. I think um, I asked when when the first question that I asked Iwain was if he was if this um, showing of Inter Miami after he came in was a glimpse to the future, maybe makes uh, Phil think about changing the way that the team plays because. I I seem I it seemed interesting to me that two players are saying and maybe Indiana also I guess he wants to be a starter also two players are uh, these players are saying like hello we're here we're an option maybe if you change a little bit your mindset we could be, play better we can uh give more to the team than what we're giving if you only give us 5 minutes when we're losing so it, it was interesting to me because um, Gonzalo said it, Emerson said it, and uh, I guess Indiana also said it, that he wants to start. Um, 
for the team. So it's interesting to me. Maybe. But every, every feel, player wants to play, though. So it's, not, maybe it's, not feel, a, it's not a shock that players want to play. Look, I, Yeah, exactly. But maybe I, I am saying this because, of course, Phil has his lineup, his tactical formation that he likes, and he doesn't like to play with two strikers. But if the, the last minutes of this game proved that it could be beneficial for Inter Miami to maybe change things a little bit. So I would disagree with you there, Andrea, because we just touched on the circumstance that was that helped Inter Miami. You know, not only yes, they they deserve their merit and their credit for coming from behind and winning in this one, but you also I don't think you can discredit or or take away from from you know the the decisions that Minnesota United made that also helped Inter Miami's cause and and that's becoming more defensive minded. So. I don't know if this game does that for Phil Neville. I don't know if this game is the one where he's like, all right, well, if I play with two strikers from the start, then we're going to start playing better. I think this is maybe an option for him going forward in games where it's probably going to be only home games where the team is looking for a go-ahead goal or a You could goal. use this lineup because not every MLS team plays with a double five, so you could lose, use this lineup. And, uh, and and use it against teams that maybe are not like Minnesota, who who, who plays with two fives. So you say two fives. I, I see. Well, I, this is a parenthesis, but you say two five. You're talking about defensive midfielders, yes? Yes. Okay. So for me, a defensive midfielder is a number six, but that obviously goes into depending on the, you know, how you were uh, raised, uh, raised, <laughs> bringing you know, and educated on the games. You know, different countries use different numbers for different positions. Steve, what what do, what do you call a defensive midfielder in terms of their number? Four. Four, really? Six. Is that is no, that six. Is, six. what do they say in England? Do they say what do they say? Six? No, six. 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 Okay. Yeah, six. Okay. But I know it like in Argentina, they call it yeah, a five. Yeah, Latin America, you know? it's yeah. a five. It's yeah. a f- it, de- it depends. It's just it's all because it's not. There's not one size or one yeah. size fits all. There's no umbrella term. Like even like some places in, in Latin America, some some places will say a six. So anyway, let's go back to the topic here at hand. I don't think Gonzalo Higuain is going to get those minutes by and large. Listen, July is a very very cramped. A very cramped time, a very congested schedule there for Inter Miami. So at some point, there's going to be a rotation there. And I'm not talking just about the Barcelona friendly. At some point in those games that are in July, and I think that there's, I have to really pull it up here and look, maybe seven. I think Gonzalo Higuain will start one or two of those games. Just because of the sheer necessity, you can't run Leonardo Campana that, that many games in a row. So I think some point there... Gonzalo Higuain will start. But other than that, or unless there's an injury, knock on wood, if you're into Miami, I don't see him getting the minutes that he wants. I just don't see that. But he'll he'll have some opportunity, I think, in the next few weeks, just based on rotation. So let's move on, unless you have something else to add, either one of you. No? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I talked about what needs to improve going forward, you know, in terms of the run of play, in terms of the buildup. I think they need to be better at attacking set pieces still. Still not enough of a threat there. Anything you guys want to add there as we start to close out our thoughts on this game? Okay. I take that as a no as well. Yeah. All right. Last. Well, I think we've talked about it. Like uh, They need to keep working, especially... But, but your analysis better, of the, uh, your analysis, um, how do they attack better? How it's easy like it's easy and, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus under that, but it's easy for us or for anyone to say they need to attack better. 
Yes, but how do they attack better? What do they need to do they're, specifically? They're wingers, especially because all their attacking power goes through their wingers and, yes. and to their uh, right back and left back. Need to do a better job, especially in gaining the ball and like putting it in the area for the strikers. I think that they're not doing that enough. They depend. Uh, uh, of course, this team doesn't have a number ten until now. Bryce Stoke is is coming up forward, but. They need the wingers and the left back and the right back to 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 be a little bit better in in putting the ball in for the striker and also to for the wingers to come and score some goals because uh, they don't have many goals. Steve, do you have any thoughts on what they need to be better? And I've I've talked about the movement. I've talked about uh, moving the ball a little bit quicker, being better in, in other facets of the game, like set pieces. Those are things I think the team needs to be better at. I agree with Andrea. The wingers need to be better. I don't think it's a surprise that they've gone out and signed a winger because it's a position that has needed an upgrade. And even with Ariel Lasseter, I'm surprised Andrea said what she said because normally she's she's waxing poetry on Lasseter like Jose is. And absolutely, I put them all in the same bag. Right, like, absolutely, I agree. Name, I agree with you. I in agree the with same you. Bag, in the in the bed, he's, in la cama. <laughs> he's been he's been better than the rest of the bunch. But in terms of quality, they're all right there. They're all right there. There's there's not one that's really clear cut above the other. My opinion, Steve. What can this team to team do? to be better in the attack. Because even with this 2-1 to one victory, they're still one of the lowest scoring teams in all of Major League Soccer. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about the new signing. He's a number 10, apparently. No, he's a he winger. In... Well, no, um, I'm, I'm told he's, he's a number 10. So there you go. They, um, they, so he... They've touted him as a winger and as a, as someone that can play in as striker. If if you're saying well, he's a number 10, that's news to me because that's not yes, what they've talked about that's and that's what not I'm what I'm saying. Okay. That, that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So does, you think that, that, does, does that change the dynamic then for you? Does that change the... Uh, well, I mean, that's going to change... Someone's going to have to come out of that midfield or someone's yeah. going to have to be dropped from the lineup if, if he's a number 10. Yeah, but, but So I was going to ask you to close out the thought on this game about Bryce Duke because I thought he had... A solid game. He obviously sparks the the comeback with the assist to Indiana Vasilev with that through ball into space. Solid game for him. Again, I thought, and I've said this for weeks now, that he's been the player that's given the team more soccer, more football in that midfield because he has more creative ideas. He has more technical qualities there. So I thought he had a solid game. Could they take him out of the lineup and go with somebody else if if somebody else is an upgrade over him? Absolutely. But I, I would really be su- like Bright Stook. He reads the game well. Uh, yesterday when we were in training and he spoke, um, he was speaking about the 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 space that he saw from uh, in the first goal because uh, Kervin Arriaga went forward and tried to 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 get the ball and try to attack and he lost the ball. So I think he he's a very a, a very intelligent player. But if uh, like Steve says, if if the new guy is number ten. It's going to be difficult for him to keep his place because if you're bringing someone that is also young, that is in the best part of their career, like mature already, I I don't know. I I, I guess you would have to drop Bryce Duke because you're not going to drop Gregory. We saw the, uh, the, uh, the team without him and I, I don't think you're going to drop Mota either. So the one that has to be dropped is Bryce. I'm still, I'm still surprised that 
that he might be a 10 because he's labeled as a winger slash striker yeah. in Inter Miami's press striker, release. Yeah. So, well, and Phil, and Phil Neville, and Phil Neville, Phil Neville said yesterday, yes, Phil Neville said yesterday when we was talking about the signing that he likes versatile players. But when he mentioned him, he said the wings, either, either wing and up top. He never said he could play as a 10. So if that's the case, that's news to me. Yeah. Unless, unless they're going after another player who can play as a 10. Maybe, maybe that's the case, but I don't know. I mean, if that's what you're hearing, Steve, then I, you know, I'll take, I'll take your word for it. But I don't think that this is that type of player. I'm hearing that he's a ten. Quarantine Jean is a is a ten, and they're looking to get one more in. I love, I love that pronunciation. I love that. That was that was on point. That was on point. I, as you guys can tell, I'm still working on my pronunciation of his name. That's why I've called him the French player, the new edition. I'm still working on it, and I don't want to butcher Jean. it. So, uh, Steve, well done, well done, well done. I, have you been practicing in the mirror for the past like, 24 hours or what? Je, je parle un peu de français. Okay, <laughs> there know, we I go. Speak a bit of, speak a bit of French. We yeah. learn a, a, a little bit of Steve during there the podcast. We, there we go. Oui. There we go. We get to know more and more about the mystery that is El Primo. Always an enigma, <laughs> this one. But okay. Le, uh, le Primo. <laughs> le Primi. Le uh, okay. Steve, anything on Bryce Duke there? I think he's just a good player, isn't he? When he gets the ball, something happens. He always looks to be positive and to move forward with, with it and, and to try and make things happen. That's that's what they've lacked the whole time, isn't it? Just that create those creative little sparks. And um, I think he's yeah, I think he's a good little player. Yeah, and and on the equalising goal, just to to bring that one up one more time, the centre back, the the middle of the three centre backs for Minnesota United, he thinks Bryce Duke's going to take a shot from distance, so he steps forward to challenge. And that helps create that space that Indiana Vasilev, again, great diagonal run, well-timed. But if that center back doesn't move, then that it's harder for that ball from Bryce Duke to go through. But it does. Exquisite through ball. Great, great moment. Great sequence of football there for Inter-Miami. Now, let's start to switch gears to... There's a bunch of things still to touch on. But let's quickly touch on just the FC Dallas game before we take a break. Because Inter-Miami plays on Independence Day against... One of the hottest teams in MLS, team that has plenty of attacking firepower. Phil Neville said this week that Inter Miami needs to start changing its mentality for road games. That's what he talked to the players about this week, that he that the team needs more points away from home and that that needs a mentality change. I asked him a little bit more, I asked him like a follow-up to that remark. <clears throat> Because I don't think it's just the players changing their mentality. I think it's also the tactics that need to be altered a little bit. But Phil Neville was stressing the point that avoiding red cards is one of the things that needs to change. Something I mentioned last week that Andrea and Jose and... I'm not sure if Steve strongly disagreed with. But definitely Jose and Andrea were like, no, it's not that much. It's not that much. Well, this week Phil Neville came out and said they need to stop getting red cards because it's costing them in games. So absolutely, that's definitely something that needs to change. He also said they need to be more ruthless in the final third. The chances that they do get, they need to put away. I agree with that to an extent. The team needs to be more clinical away from home. They can't waste that many opportunities because they might not get that many opportunities. And I think that's where Phil Neville is is headed with in terms of those comments at the same time, if you're not creating a whole lot away from home, there are things you can do to create a little bit more. And that, yes, you might have to open up 
you might have to take more risks, but that is one way to create more chances for yourself. Because if you're going to just hope that this team will be more clinical on a consistent basis just 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 because or just just like that then i don't know if that's necessarily a recipe for success given what the players that are on the roster because th- there's not a lot of goals in this team in my opinion clearly you see it in the in, in the statistics andrea what are your thoughts on inter miami going up or excuse me going over to fc dallas on monday it's going to be a difficult game. Dallas are one of the better teams that I've seen play this year in, in MLS. Of course, they have players that are very dangerous and are going to be very dangerous for Inter-Miami. So I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, it's uh, interesting to see the Phil saying that they need to change that mentality when he <laughs> he is a very defensive-minded coach. I, so. See, that's why I agree. Cause I was like, that's why I asked him about like <laughs> tactics and the approach because... I mean, but that again, his he's banking on them just avoiding the red cards and being more ruthless in the final third. Uh, they can yeah, they can I avoid guess, red cards. That that part they that, that, that yeah, part's in their hands. That that should be the most interest, uh, the most easiest part. But against FC Dallas, it may be also hard because uh, they have players that are very quick. Uh, they, there's a problem that Inter Miami needs to solve. I feel bad for Madbey. Every game he's struggling as a left back. That is not his his position, and well, you saw the goal on on with Minnesota. So there, the defense is gonna have a very hard game because FC Dallas has. Yeah, but, whoa, whoa, hold on, lot, hold on, hold on. The goal is not his fault. The goal is not his fault. Yeah, but you need to be. Uh, if you are left back, you need to defend better. I think he um, he's been doing a normal job, but they need a left back. They need a left back. If I, if I if I were them, I. I uh, I would hire a left back. No, they have like four left backs on the team. Gibbs doesn't play. He's injured. Shea, um, Shea's also coming back from an injury. Injured. But they have Noah Allen, but Noah Allen is They have Jovin, they have Jovin Jones. They Jovin have they Jones. have too many left backs on this team. I don't think they need another left back. Now, they, they I, I don't listen. I I am telling you they are going to suffer against Polariola, against Ferreira. They are going to suffer this game in the, against Dallas. Christopher McVeigh for me has done a respectable job, and I don't think the goal he's. I think he has very little to blame, or very little blame, if any at all, on the goal that Minnesota United scored because it's a it's a switch from his flank. They cannot to play the, the, to the ball right, like that in the area. Uh, but, uh, Andrea, the, the switch the, the switch comes. They cannot, they cannot play the ball like that, Franco. And there, the switch comes from yes, from his side, but it goes to the opposite side. And it's a long switch, so it and it took an acrobatic kick to get the ball back across the six, and then Damian Lowe, the ball crashes off him. If anything, DeAndre Yedlin and Damian Lowe shoulder more responsibility than Christopher McVeigh. I think Christopher McVeigh to this point, I agree, he's not a natural left back. I agree that they could do with an upgrade there, but I don't. I think... feel for for McVeigh because it's not fair to him to play him out of position like he's been playing the whole season. Well, I mean, that is just it's, my it's just, opinion. It's just what the and, situation calls for, but I, I, I yeah. mean, you know, if in well, that... no, because you have a lot of of central defenders. That is what the the, the most thing that they bought this this off season. Well, they have Sailor, they have Damian Lowe, they have Jairo Quinteros, they have Mavica. So why is the central defender playing as a left back? Because it's what they, the situation called for. No one else has proven what to, situation. To, that's it's what the situation has called for. No other left back has proven 
to either be able to stay healthy or to be able to perform consistently. Christopher McVay, he doesn't give you much going forward, but he has been able to hold his own. I'm not saying he's been an, he's not an MLS All Star, but he has you, held his McVay own. McVay plays more like a central defender playing left back. It's, it, he plays like he is. That's fine, but he, tries but he hasn't. To... But he hasn't given up a lot of goals. A lot of goals haven't been from his mistakes or his errors. If you if you remember a boatload of goals that he's given up, let me know right now. Because I don't I can't I can't come off the top of my head with a bunch of different ones where I'm like, ah, oh, it was McVeigh's fault on that one. There's a few, sure. But a bunch? I don't think so. And I think that left back is his that left back spot is his until Kieran Gibbs gets healthy, until Breck Shea gets healthy, and until they can get back in the lineup and prove that they can stay healthy and that they can perform consistently. Until then, Christopher McVeigh will be that starting left back, especially on a team like Inter Miami that continues to prioritize If you want to go to a playoffs, you need a left back that at least is on the level of DeAndre Jedlin, like he does on the other side. That is our truth. That is my opinion, right? But, 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 it's, but they can't go out and get one, Andre. They don't have the resources. and like, There's a salary cap in MLS. You can't just... No, well, but they have. If not, then Phil needs to give Jovin Jones. He went and played with his national team. Why doesn't he get a chance? Well, he's given him he's given him some chances, but clearly he hasn't been convinced. But anyway, Steve, what do you think about the game on Monday against FC Dallas, Independence Day, July fourth? I don't know if you know yeah. these, these games tend to the July fourth games make me scratch my head a little bit because obviously people are barbecuing, people are doing things with their families and friends, they're out, and MLS decides to play on July fourth, so. You know, I've watched July 4th games plenty of times. Exactly. What kind of crowd is going to go to Frisco, Texas to watch this game on Monday night? But anyway, let's just focus on the green rectangle (laughs) on the, you know, on the, in the stadium, on the field. What do you think about the game Inter Miami away to FC Dallas? Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's not going to be easy. They're flying high, fourth in the fourth in the West, seven wins from seventeen. So not 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 amazing. But he's Jesus Ferreira, hasn't he been good for the U.S. national team? Is their uh, is their top guy? But yeah, why have it on July fourth, man? Who's going to go there that that night? You know what I mean? After a whole day like drinking and just having a barbecue and stuff, and then just <laughs> going to the match, it's not going to happen, is it? Yeah. Well, uh, well Frisco gets <laughs> criticized often for not having many fans, no, and I can't imagine stupid. there's going to be a lot of fans. I mean, listen, I remember when I first moved to the to the Northeast, and we're going on a tangent here, but I remember my first years going to the Northeast. I would come down for July fourth. I'd come back to South Florida. And I'd spend time with the family. And I remember watching Red Bulls road games when I was a Red Bulls beat writer from the W Hotel in Fort Lauderdale. And and having to work. Even though I had been maybe had a few drinks earlier in the day. Maybe. Maybe. I was, so, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'll, we're going to watch it because we work in here. But it's our from, job. Right. But from, from a... Yeah, but I just- just right, general, from a, from a know, general perspective, so why, why have, yes, yes, I agree, 100%. I think it's because MLS wants to be like the NBA and the NFL, that they play on Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of these special occasions, special holidays. So I think MLS, no. this is the only holiday that they can play, so yeah. they take it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't. I the day before, the day before Thanksgiving, the, the day before July 4th or afterwards, well, you know, maybe, you know, yeah. but not, not actually on the day itself. I yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Don't, don't don't shoot the messenger. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you on this one. I yeah. don't, I don't, uh, yeah, me too. I don't really get it, but hey, it, it is what it is. So FC Dallas right now is in fourth place in the Western Conference. Based on everything that Phil Neville said yesterday at practice, I expect him to remind me to go defensive minded in this one, to look to stay compact, to keep their shape. And to look to 
pick and choose their moments in transition on the counterattack to try to score goals and either, you know, pluck one from there, pluck one from a set piece. And if they can only get a draw, then they'll take that as long as they don't lose. But I expect a very defensive-minded game against FC Dallas. They played yesterday. They lost. Maybe they're going to be tired after playing during the week, but it's going to be a hard game for Inter Miami. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what kind of midfield Phil Neville goes with now because Gene Mota will be back from suspension. Something that I also thought was noteworthy, and I'll just quickly add here as a humble brag slash tap on the back for myself. Phil Neville said in the post-game press conference after the win against Minnesota United that they put Victor Ulloa back in there, Gene Mota was out, and they had Ulloa, Duke, and Taylor, and he thought that that gave them a better balance that they did not have a good balance against Atlanta United. And that's something that cost them or that hurt them. That's something I said last week. They didn't have a good balance against Atlanta United in that midfield. It was too uh, attack-minded with not enough defensive uh, bite or steel or industry in there. He, they, they went back and obviously revisited that. I But I think in this one, you're going to see probably the Gregory, Gene Mota, and Bryce Duke. Maybe Duke comes out, and maybe they go with Uyoa because they want they want uh, to be defensively tough. But I think we'll see that, that that three of Mota, Gregory, and Duke. But anyway, we'll see how it goes for Inter Miami. Let's take a quick break, guys, because we've been going at it for a bit. We still have a few things to talk about, including Gareth Bale, the new signing who goes by the name of Steve. Um, give us your pronunciation, brother. Give us the pronunciation. Oh, Quarantin Jean. Yeah. Uh, the day that we go to video podcast, which will happen at some point, absolutely, I 100% imagine Steve just like staring out his window halfway through podcast. I just, that's, I, I think Steve you, tunes out. You will have that to is... pay for my hair and makeup, Franco. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I'm going to have to pay for, for blinders. <laughs> I'm going to pay for blinders for Steve's house because I feel like he looks at like the birds that fly outside and stuff. Like, he, he, I feel like I lose his that attention is, sometimes. That is professional slander. That is absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. Saying that I would act like that as a, as a professional broadcaster. <laughs> okay, well, 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 we will talk about those things. We're going to talk about Noah Allen and Edison Ascona and their participation in the Under-20 CONCACAF Championship, which is essentially the World Cup qualifiers for the U-20 World Cup. And... Some injury updates. I have some injury updates on Ian Frey, Nick Marsman, and George Acosta. So we'll take a break. We'll get to all that after this. And this is the new into Miami. We've got we've got substitutes going on that want to play for their team. We spoke before the game about the sacrifice that's needed to win and be successful. And the sacrifices that you you put your side, your egos, and you go on the pitch or you you're on the bench supporting each other and. Uh, I think I'm a lucky manager that I've got a team at this moment in time that we that we uh, re, that we've recruited that have got all the qualities you need for a team to be successful or at least compete, and uh, I'm super proud of the way that they they scored uh, late on. It shows the fighting qualities, and I'm really really proud of the uh, of Indiana. I think he's the, he, since he's come in, he's totally totally uh, livened up the place again, and he's 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 a really good kid. Okay, guys, so let's start with. And I don't want to go long in the second segment, but I feel like we might, but I'm going to try that to not do that. But this might be the subject that we really, really go into here. Gareth Bale. He has signed with LAFC. 
But before he could do that, Inter-Miami had to trade his discovery rights, his MLS discovery rights, to LAFC. Because Inter-Miami had Gareth Bale on its discovery list. Now, what does all that mean for some MLS newcomers or even MLS diehards that still don't get all the weird and wacky rules that exist? Okay, so... MLS teams are allowed to have a discovery list where they can name up to seven players from around the globe that they want to sign. And you can if you're one if you're a team and you have let's say Gareth Bale, nobody else in MLS can have Gareth Bale on their list. Now, you can drop names and and add names at free will. There's no limit to that throughout the course of the year. But if you have someone on there, even though he's not your player, if somebody wants to sign him, somebody else in MLS wants to sign him, then they have to acquire his MLS rights from you. So essentially that's what happened here. Inter-Miami had Gareth Bale on its discovery list. Gareth Bale decided that he wanted to sign with LAFC. In order for Gareth Bale to go to LAFC, Inter-Miami had to trade his discovery rights to LAFC and they got in return, correct me if I'm wrong here, $75,000 in general allocation money. That's a lot of blah, 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 blah in MLS talk. Point of the matter is Gareth Bale is with LAFC and he is not with Inter Miami. Steve, why isn't Gareth Bale with Inter Miami from what you have heard? Because I asked Phil Neville on, on Wednesday it was the last question in the scrum that we had with him. And he said, because we didn't want to. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And then he went into a longer answer and gave Gareth Bale lots of praise and lots of respect. But there's more to it than that. Share with us what you know. Yeah, well, he wanted too much money. I think that was the thing. Messy money that was described to me. So, you know, talk about Lionel Messi would be earning... In, in excess of maybe $10 million a year here. And uh, they didn't think it was worth financial sense. It would have been a great story if Bale would have come. You know, an amazing player. The spotlight would have been f- fierce. And um, that would have been a hell of a story. Um, but it's not going to happen. We're not here anyway. So Inter-Miami was in negotiations with Gareth Bale is what you're saying. Yes, okay. 100%. Michelle yeah. Kaufman, our that, friend Michelle that Kaufman. That is what I suspected. Well, our friend Michelle Kaufman also reported that for the Miami Herald. And, and in her story, she included... Among the reasons why Gareth Bale didn't end up here is that he wanted too much money. He wanted too much money. And, yes. uh, and there were other things in the contract that, that didn't work out. DC so, United so then, very, very heavily linked with him. Wait, wait, um, so hold on. You know, so, there are other wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. The, but, so if Inter Miami was in negotiations with him, but he wanted too much money, Phil Neville's not exactly being entirely upfront when he says because we didn't want to. Because... Clearly, they didn't want to pay that money. Clearly, no, okay. So then that's that so that's different. The don't then the 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 remark of we didn't want to, and he later actually let's listen to it. Let's listen to Phil Neville's full remarks post uh, excuse me post practice or no pre practice pre practice on Wednesday. Let's listen to the full remarks and then we'll dive into it a little bit further. It's as simple as that. It's our choice. You have choices in this league to uh, make signings and, and Gareth Bale is an is a unbelievable footballer and LFC are lucky but, but we, we, me and Chris 
and the owners, we have a certain vision for this football club. And uh, at this moment in time, I feel as if we're still in that foundation building block phase. And there'll be times when we add the cherries and the icings on the cake, but at this moment in time, there's a certain player that we want at this football club. And as much as, yes, it'd be great on paper and all that business, we, 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 we felt we felt from a roster point of view, we felt from sort of like what we really wanted from this season, uh, Coco and the other players hopefully that we'll bring in will fit what we want at this moment in time and, and, and you know Gareth Bale can play in any football club in the world, he's won everything, I love him, I've played against him and you know marked him uh, and he would enhance any football team but, but we we have a cap at this football club, we have a certain level of player that we that, that we think will improve us in certain areas and uh, you know good luck to Gareth in LAFC I'm glad we don't have to play him again uh, they they're they're ahead of us in terms of what they're building but but we'll catch them Steve Phil says we have a vision for this club and that there will be times to add the cherries on top etc etc he makes it seem like Inter Miami was not interested in Gareth Bale because he's just not part of their vision and their plan. When you're saying, and Michelle Kaufman reported, that they were negotiations to try to bring him over. They did want to add that piece to the puzzle. So it doesn't seem like Phil Neville was all that genuine in his response. He's not going to say... Hey, we're broke. We're broke. We don't well, have money so, to pay. So, so that's, and that's why I asked him. But that's why I asked him. Excuse me, Steve. I want the listeners to think about this. Inter Miami, from what we know today, yes, they have been sanctioned. So they have a limit on how much allocation money can be used into the roster. But from what we know, they have one designated player slot available. One, because Blaise Matuidi is apparently not on the roster, although he's an ambassador, although that situation is all weird and never really been uh, defined clearly by the team. Given our best efforts, we, we haven't been able to find or out. Or by MLS. What, right, right. We haven't <laughs> been able to find out what that is. Yeah. They could sign a DP, right? But, but from what we know, they could sign a DP. They could have signed Gareth Bale, uh, Gareth Bale to a DP contract. Why didn't they? Why didn't they? Is it is it ownership saying, look, we spent a lot of money on Matuidi and, and Higuain. We're not doing it again on another aging veteran. Is it that Inter Miami actually doesn't have a DP slot available because of how they, they, they worked this Matuidi deal, this Matuidi situation? There's something more to the story here than just Oh well, they didn't. They didn't want to sign him because they've been sanctioned or this. In my opinion, there's more. Like I, the way I, the way I am. And look, according to the Miami Herald, according to Michelle Kaufman, our friend, she reported Bale agreed to a 33 million dollar pay cut to move to LA and will make less than 1.61 million on his one year deal. So he will yeah, not count. He will not count. Year. Right. So he will not count as a designated player. Now, this year? now, his contract includes options through 2024, so his salary would likely increase significantly into the DP category after this season. And according to Miami Herald sources, his initial asking price was closer to $5 million. So that was out of okay. Miami's price range. That's what's reported in the Miami Herald. $5 million is out of Inter Miami's price range. That's that, that, that is, We can talk about that at a later date. We don't have to dive into it anymore here. Okay, well, let's talk about the player then that Inter-Miami did sign. And 
I'm going to let you guys hear how he pronounces his name, and then we'll try our best. This is how he pronounces his name. My first name is Corentin. Corentin. And my last name, Jean. Jean. Okay, you've heard it from the man himself. That he, he has signed. Corentin Jean has signed with Inter Miami on a deal from Lens, if I'm not mistaken, in France. He has a two and a half year deal. That means that runs through 2024. There are team options for 25 and 26. Again, Steve said earlier that he thinks he's he can play the ten. Everything that we've read, everything that we've heard from the team, everything I've seen. I is... have to say something about that. I asked a friend of mine who works in France right now when Steve said that, and he agrees with Steve Brenner. Oh, there you go. And he told me, I'm going to read the text he told me. He told me he's talented but inconsistent, not prophetic in France. He will get more involved if played centrally. He can play in the wing but will drift in games. He's one of those nearly talents that France has a lot. I've never, I've never ever heard of him. Um, yeah, but, me too. Yeah. And he, and he has played for a, a lot of France youth national teams. So scored five um, times in thirty-five appearances with various French youth national teams. Most recently, suiting up for their under twenty-one side in twenty sixteen. So he was a good young player who just didn't really sort of kick on. So he would come to the US and think he's got a chance to, you know, make up for the for what his career hasn't sort of lived up to his sort of billing as a kid really. So that'd be interesting to see how he gets on. Never never heard never seen him play. So interested to see him. His numbers yeah, aren't his numbers be... aren't great. His numbers aren't great either. His career numbers in terms of goals and assists. I, I'm trying to pull them up right now, but they're not uh they're not incredible, let's say. And he didn't play a lot last season, did he? No, no. And he's how old is he? He's 26 years old. So he's he's about to enter or is starting the prime of his career. He has scored. Hold on, pulling it up. 37 goals and 21 assists in 249 career appearances across all competitions. Not necessarily the most impressive numbers, but Inter Miami... I'm sure is looking at him to provide a boost out there on that wing, a little bit more quality out on the wings. That's what I perceive from just what I've gathered and from what I see. Now, if he can play as a 10 like you both are saying, that changes things up. We'll see what happens. We're not going to see probably for a while because Phil Neville said on Wednesday, Quentin Jean is, you know, they, they might not get him until August between the time, you know, between now and then because he has to sort out his visa situation etc etc so it might be some time before we see him he's clearly going to be a player that at best can help in the stretch run this year but clearly they're counting on more for next year and and beyond but i'm curious if he if part of this this expected break that they have includes a vacation for him because it's not uncommon that european players that after they're coming off their long european season when they sign with an mls team that they want a bit of a break before they jump right back into it. So maybe he is, you know, he obviously there is paperwork to fill out and then those things have slowed down post pandemic or, or since the pandemic uh, began, but maybe there's also a break in there for him as well to, to enjoy some downtime before he, he gets right back into, you know, training every single day. Don't have that information. Just curious if, if that's, that's part of it. By the way, speaking of friends and getting messages, I shared with you guys in my, in our, WhatsApp group, a message I got from a friend earlier today. 
and it was I won't say who it was, but this this friend, this person that's in the MLS world said, and I will quote, "Hey, hope all is okay. Neville not at all convincing on bail in that video clip." I responded, "How so?" Just to try to understand what what this person was trying to say. And that person, and this is secondhand information, I'm clearly saying and stating this is secondhand information, so don't take it as gospel, I'm just sharing. That person responded with a second email saying, yeah, source saying Neville and Bex wanted bail, owner wouldn't spend money. But anyway, let's move on because there's still a couple more things to quickly touch on regarding Inter Miami. There's been a lot of news since we, since we last were on which was only a week ago, so it's, it's, it's wild that there's been that much to talk about. But Noah Allen and Edison Ascona are under-20 World Cup bound, so long as they make their respective national team rosters, because they were both on teams that have helped or that have qualified for, for that next competition. Noah Allen has started several games for the under-20 U.S. men's national team, which returns to, to the World Cup, and... Uh, Edison Ascona has started, he has captained, he had even scored a goal for the Dominican Republic during these recent matches that they've played. Quickly, Andrea, your thoughts on both of those players helping their teams qualify for the Under-20 World Cup. Congrats on, on the guys. We we talked about them um, on past podcasts. I think mm-hmm. No Allen did good. He hasn't played all the games. Um, he didn't play uh, when when they qualified for the World Cup, and I think for me, uh, Inter's Miami best player in this tournament is Edison Ascona. He has been so good. Edison Ascona is a player for the future. He's exquisite. His touch. No one on the Inter Miami team right now has his touch. Maybe just Gonzalo <laughs> to to score, but he is a player for the future. If Inter Miami doesn't give him the chance, they're going to lose him. He's a top, top quality player, so young. And what he did with his teammates is historic. They are taking the Dominican Republic to their first World Cup ever. And they have a serious chance now to go to their first Olympic Games in, in, in football, in, in soccer. I don't share your analysis on Edison Ascona at all. Like, I don't think he's as great as you just made him out to be like if there's a podium you just put him on like the top 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 level of that podium and i don't i don't agree with that it is historic absolutely and well earned for him and for the dominican republic it's a massive massive accomplishment to make their first world cup incredible feat they absolutely should relish enjoy every second of it and they deserve all the plaudits for doing so especially since the dominican republic is not known obviously as being a footballing country okay Andrea we're going to quickly close out the segment with two things I'm going to give injury updates on three players and then we're going to talk about one more that's in the news so uh there's been recent updates with regards to Ian Frey Nick Marsman and George Acosta I was able to chat with each of them for a little bit in recent days Ian Frey he's popped back up in in Inter-Miami training, he's not doing any ball work from what I've seen or from what I've heard. He's simply just running around the field, getting fitness work in and all that. So still ways to go for him, but he is recovering. Nick Marsman is closing in on a recovery. He said his knee 
that he he had hurt last year, that that's fine, but that his back had been giving him problems, and that he's he's getting ready to play. He should be playing. Something Phil Neville said this weekend for Inter Miami too, but he's he's obviously been dealing with that back injury. But now he is getting close to a full return. Georgia Costa had a setback. Something Phil Neville shared with us last week. However, that setback looks pretty severe because when I saw Georgia Costa, he was wearing a boot. He was wearing a boot, I believe, on his right foot. So was he on crutches? Yeah, he was. And he was on crutches. So doesn't look good for Georgia Costa. He had suffered an injury. He was recovering. We had seen him back on the training field at one point, but now... And he played with Inter Miami too, I think. At least he was in the lineup. I, I, re- right, I don't right, really right. know he if yeah, he yeah, got he injured on that game or 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 something like that. It, it's a recaída. I don't, say, uh, I don't know how to say it in English. Uh, but I, uh, hopefully he, he gets better soon. But it, it, it was worrying to see him wearing that boot yeah. and wearing crutches. Right, because all we had heard with regards to the update for him from Phil Neville was that he it was getting back. He was a setback. Was getting, no, no. He, yeah. The last update was he had a setback, yeah, but he didn't exactly. say he didn't say the severity of it. And now, like clearly, when you see him wearing a boot and on crutches, it's pretty severe. And then again, this is we've talked about this this type of thing. And yes, he's not a top player on this Inter Miami side, but those injury updates should be provided for public knowledge. I don't understand the constant need for being so secretive. But anyway, the last player to talk on and to talk about. Is Jairo Quinteros, Andrea. Jairo Quinteros, someone I know that you are high on. And Jairo Quinteros is linked with a move to Real Zaragoza. It's been reported in the last day or so that he could be going to the team that Jorge Mas and Jose Mas just bought majority ownership in. It's not done deal, but it's a possibility. What do you think of that, Andrea? I think it would be good for him. Obviously, uh, Phil doesn't rate him enough to play him as a starter. So I think he should go back to Europe and he should go back and and try to win consistency again and try to to become a better player. And if you could do it in the team, uh, in the same in the same team that the owner the the owner of Inter Miami is, it's nothing better. It, it, the same happened because he was a, a Mausero Claude, who was one of the owners of the original owners of Inter Miami. He's the one that brought him here to Inter Miami, and he played in uh, on loan on the other team. So maybe that will work for him again. So hopefully, hopefully it does. It goes because back. I, Go I rate him. I rate him high. I think he's going to be a great defender. So it goes back to, you know, one of the talking points we said earlier in terms of players wanting to play. Clearly, he wants to play. He's a Bolivian international. He's used to playing. When I spoke to him after the Inter-Miami 2 game a few weeks ago, the one in which he scored, I think they played New York City FC 2, I was the only one there. They interviewed him, and he was saying, you know, he, he wants to play. And he didn't say it again in an angry way or a frustrated way, but clearly he's used to playing. And he yeah, wants to play. So yeah. if he's and not playing... And he was playing, playing consistently in one of the biggest teams in Bolivia. So I guess for him, it's, it has to be hard to come here and, and not play. And right. Well, let's see. we'll see. We'll see if it's a loan. We'll see if it's a, you know, a complete transfer. I guess they, they, will, they could make a loan because they did that with him. He was playing in Bolivar, but he was the property of Inter Miami. So 
Right, um, but but if let's say you know if what if Phil Neville doesn't rate him, you know what if Phil Neville says, yeah, I don't really see a pathway for him going forward in yeah. the future. Then then maybe you could... that would be good business for Zaragoza uh, if that is if that is the case because they could they could get a player who already has gone through uh, living in Spain. But wait, is it is Jorge, Jorge Mas going to pay himself? Does he send one check from one bank account <laughs> to the other bank account? Or how does I don't know how it works exactly in, in that way, yeah. but. But look, look I, I don't he needs to get someone to 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 assessorate him in a good way, not like Paul McDonough, please again. <laughs> <laughs> well, well with Jairo Quinteros, the last thing I'll say really quickly is that I wouldn't be surprised if he, and this is not information, just a supposition, if mm-hmm. he pushed for uh, a move, if he pushed, if he was said, you know, if he went up to his agent and said, figure something out because I'm not playing here. And I need to be playing first team football. So maybe this is the agreement that's being worked on or one of the options that's being considered. Because again, I wouldn't be surprised. Supposition, not information. If good if, insight. If, good insight though. No, right, but I, I think I think that's that's po- it's a possibility, right? Like if you're not playing, you're gonna go up to your agent and say, Please sort something out for me, you know, get me out of here even if it's on a loan for six months because I need to be playing. And clearly something Especially something... a player like him, right? Right, and that's clearly and good. it is information. This is information because he told me that he's used to playing and he wants to play obviously yeah. so and and look he's very deep on this depth chart with intermind yeah very yeah. very deep we've you know. talked about this the first time i was on the podcast yeah. damien Lowe. that and you said that no but i i i in my personal opinion i would rate jairo quinteros above mavica above sailor that have gotten chances to play uh, uh, um, uh, at the side of damien Lowe. And Quinteros has been relegated to play with the second team. Right. So. I mean, who's all ahead of him? Damian Lowe, Amema Bika, Ryan Saylor, Christopher McVeigh. If if they if they had to go to another center back, I think he's even ahead. Breck Shea. Do you no. remember? Yeah, but Breck I don't think. I don't, yeah, but I, I think if Inter Miami had a must win game this weekend and they they had no center back options or very few, I think Quinteros is above Breck Shea. I think that was just a, a one off that Phil Neville tried to invent, and it just no. But you had to feel bad if you're Jairo Quinteros when you see Breck Shea going before you. Well, that, that, that was one time. That was a long time ago. So, uh, but look, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Quintero moves on. You know, even, yeah. even, either permanently or or temporarily. Yeah, or on alone. Yeah. yeah, because he he, he needs wants to time. play. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, let's leave it there. We still have the Q and A session. We will take a quick break, and we will get to that after this. Okay, guys, Q&A time. It's Andrea and I. Primo had to go and take care of business. So let's go just right into it. Don Cafecito with the first one. Your thoughts on Phil Neville's Spanish interview. And is it possible for you to ask him at least one question in Spanish after the match? So... Uh, for those of you that Finally. don't, yeah, well, for those of you that don't know what Don Cafecito, I have been asking him this. Well, well, hold on, hold on, because some listeners may not know what Don Cafecito is referencing. So Phil Neville this week took the very bold and courageous decision to start his midweek availability by speaking in Spanish, and he did a pretty good job. Pretty good job. It wasn't flawless, 
But he did a pretty good job, given that it's not his his native language, and I'm sure it's not one that he practices, or maybe maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe I, I can't I can't say I'm sure because I don't know. But I don't know how often he practices it. So you know, he 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 did opening remarks. He even answered a question from one of the local TV channels that was done in English. He answered that one in Spanish. I thought it was hilarious that afterwards he said after he finished his his remarks in Spanish, he he said to the to the American journalist, entiendes? And like, clearly, entiendes means do you understand? And clearly the journalist did, did, not, did not. So I thought, I thought it was I funny think if, he, if it had been us, the usuals that we go, he would have done it all in Spanish. I think he could, did a good job. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he, could have, yeah, he could have kept going. I mean, obviously there was, it, it was such a newsy week with the Gareth Bale yeah. news, with the, with the Juan Saint-Jean uh, signing that, if it had been not so newsy of a week where there weren't such, yeah. you know, such, such questions that needed answering, um, whether there's maybe more talk just about the game or the team on the field, you know, then maybe he goes, you know, or he, maybe the situation would have allowed him to go full Spanish, but it and didn't. I and I don't think, again, I don't think that I am going to ask him in Spanish. So, so I, want, I wanted to, I want to answer that part of the question from Don Cafecito. I could ask Phil Neville a question in Spanish post game, but I don't do that, and I won't. I won't. I don't. Andrea, if she wants to, or she, she's free to do whatever she wants. I'm just saying I won't because Phil Neville is more fluent in English than in Spanish. So, if I ask him in Spanish, and this is just me with you know speaking Franco Panizo journalist. If I ask him in Spanish, his response is not going to be as well articulated as it is in English. And he's not going to be able to express himself as clearly as he would if I ask him in English. So in the post-game press conference, we usually only get one question, maybe two, maybe two. And it would be for me a waste of a question because I'm not going to get as much substance from a journalistic standpoint, than if I asked him in English, and I and I do this approach with anyone that speaks English or Spanish. Like now, if if the player is his first language is Spanish, like Gonzalo Higuain, um, you know, I would ask him in Spanish. Now, Gonzalo Higuain doesn't do interviews in English, but I'm just saying for for example, if Gonzalo Higuain could speak Spanish, well, there's, there's somebody else on the team. Who's on the team? Who's on the team? I get what you're saying. Wait, give me what the... happens with Campana. Right, Campana. Campana doesn't like to speak in English, the, but he speaks English. There we go. Okay, that's there we go. I was looking for an example. You just gave it to me on a platter. Thank you, Andrea. Leonardo Campana speaks English and Spanish. His his native tongue is Spanish. He is much more fluent speaking in Spanish than in English. So whenever I speak to Campana, I ask in Spanish because in English he's going to give me less from a journalistic standpoint in terms of how he's going to express his thoughts, his feelings, etc. So that's just how I approach it. So I won't ask Phil Neville a question in Spanish in the post-game press so, conference setting. Don't worry, Don Cafecito, I will. <laughs> I thought, for me, obviously, my website, for who I work for, it's in Spanish. So for me, I'm happy that Phil took the step to talk in Spanish. And I thought, like, I gave you the example of Leonardo Campana because I have seen him speak in English and I have seen that his answers in English are, like we say in Spanish, pan sin sal. He says nothing. But in <laughs> Spanish, he says everything. 
mad at nice. me. Hey, I like that. I like that reference. Andrea coming in, coming in hard. I like. See this? You need to, you need to start rubbing off some of that spice on Jose, man, because Jose, Jose doesn't bring that spice. Jose has his opinions Jose that are. Will, Jose will be Jose will be regañando me yeah. in this moment. Ho- he will Jose, say, you need to shut up. Jose has opinions that are out there, and you know we 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 banter about that, but he doesn't have that spice that Andrea has, man. I like that spice, Andrea. I like. It. I mean, maybe because I, I I I'm a little spicy myself, but I like that, Andrea. Very very good. Look. Um, so what? the difference, but let me finish. The difference okay, okay. that Leonardo Campana and we feel is that I thought Phil did a good job. Of course, there are some words he, uh, he doesn't translate as well as it happens to me because English is not my first language. But I thought he did a good job, especially when the when he answered the the reporter that asked in English and he answered in Spanish. It means that he does well talking the language because he could translate the question in English and answer it in Spanish. That is hard for some people to do when you don't speak the language as often. So I think, Phil, I heard a Spanish accent on him. I, by Spanish, I mean from Spain, because obviously that's where where he learned it. But I, I really liked, I liked the way he expressed himself, and I think he did a good job. So I'm going to ask him in Spanish, Don Cafecito, don't worry. Phil Neville did coach as an assistant at Valencia so that's, exactly. that's probably where he got a, a good bit of Spanish and you know lessons. that Gary his brother uh of course Gary retreated him speaking in in Spanish because uh, I guess it's interesting to him to see Phil practicing that that way especially since you see Beckham that used to know more Spanish Beckham speaks horrible in Spanish but Phil <laughs> did very well in Spanish I, I really liked it I, I really liked and I really liked that he took that 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 approach because uh like I told you I would uh, he told me already in the past to ask him in Spanish and he would answer me without a problem but I thought like, oh, I'm not going to make him uncomfortable, but well, so now that's the thing. I know that I could ask him. So that's the thing. And it's up to you. And again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not even trying to tell you what to do, but just, I, I'm just saying thinking out loud. Cause I thought about this. Yeah, after. I understand. What, 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 what if what they, let's, let's say they lose a game, right? And there's a controversial call. And there's something like, you know, it, it's a bad game or something, you know, there's something along those lines. And Phil Neville comes in fuming. I'm not going to ask him a question in Spanish. Like it's just going to. I don't know if it'll piss him off more. Maybe he, he maybe he answers it like a like a true pro. But it's it's just when you know if you speak English and Spanish like right like like we both do. I don't know if I would go out there and again it's not first of all he's not going to give you enough, as much from a journalistic standpoint. And then on top of that, you're making him work more and, and think more, especially in a moment where he might be mad or fuming, etc. Like you know maybe in that moment he won't be in a mood to do so or. You know, he's, he's, again, the heat of the battle, the heat of the moment. You know, Wednesday, it was a practice session, and, and you know, things were no, light and, and jovial. I, you know, I know, I think he knows that people here, like, if they watch the news in Spanish, are wanna, want to hear him talk in Spanish. So I think it was a good step by Phil. Maybe, like you say, we're not going to see him in every press conference speaking Spanish. But I think it was a good step. Sure, especially sure, yeah, absolutely. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad yeah, thing. I think, not I, a bad I, and I really, I really like that he did it because um, and th- now you can approach, if someone wants to talk about Campana, someone from Ecuador wants to talk about Campana, now they can ask Phil if they want because they know it's more wide, openly known. Like I said, I, I, I already knew they spoke, uh, he spoke Spanish. Uh, now it's widely known. So I, I really like that he did that. 
Okay, next question, and this will be the last one because we've gone very long on this episode, even though I said we wouldn't. Jorge Medina, was there a winner in the giveaway? So, we have gotten a submission that I think is a winner. And that one will not go into the lottery. I will announce who that is next week. But this is the one final call. If you want to enter for a free jersey of Inter-Miami, and that will be done in a lottery, just submit a video to me on Twitter via DM, via just a, uh, a tweet. doesn't have to be long. Just saying what you like about Miami Total Football Radio, what it you know, what, what it provides you in terms of either information, entertainment, whatever, you know, say whatever you want, that you agree with Primo and you strongly disagree with me or you agree with me and strongly disagree with Andrea, which actually uh, an Inter-Miami volunteer uh, said over the weekend when we ran into him. Isn't that right, Andrea? <laughs> yeah, but I want to note, I want to note, since I'm a lawyer, I have a notes on everything. I want to note that he was Costa Rican, so you cannot take that 100%. No, <laughs> you're just like, I, no, no. See, he that, was against no. me because our rivals. No, 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 no. <laughs> see, 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 she started, she started, she started the show very proud hunter and she ends the show very proud hunter and as she is every day in her life. Okay, that does it for the Q&A session. Again, submit a video to me or to Miami Total Football on Twitter next week. Andrea, final thought. I'll give mine and we'll wrap up the show after that. Well, my final thought is don't miss the semifinals of the under-20 uh, um, qualifier for the World Cup and for the Olympics. We will see who, who gets to the Olympics, if it's the United States or if it's Honduras or it's Guatemala and Dominican Republic. And you can support the two Inter-Miami players that are uh, hoping to make it. Okay. My final thought is on something that I wasn't able to share last week because it was a long pod. And that is that I went to Qatar as part of a lar larger trip during the international break, the recent international break. And if you're going for the World Cup, if you're curious about going for the World Cup or you just want to know about Qatar in general, this is what I'll tell you. Not a country that I think is, as of right now, prepared for a World Cup. Just for example, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things. This is such a small thing. And I just say it because Andrea's here. I share it because Andrea's here. I went looking for souvenirs, World Cup souvenirs. Nowhere had it. Nowhere. Nowhere. So I just brought back guitar magnets and, and little things, and I gave one to Andrea. And I told her, as I told other people, sorry, they didn't have any World Cup souvenirs. But just from a logistical standpoint, seeing how the hotels were run, the airport, doesn't seem like it's, it's ready for a World Cup. Now, there's still a few months left, but it doesn't seem like they're fully, fully prepared for the amount of people that are about to hit that very small area in that small country. As for the country itself... There's a few things to look at. There's a few things to see, but there's not an abundance of options. You know, you can you could do a camel ride in the desert. I did that. You can go on some sand dunes. I did that as well. Um, there's a cool downtown area that's well lit, uh, but not an abundance. Not an abundance. As for drinking, which I know plenty of you are probably very curious about, you can find drinks. You can get drinks, but only in certain areas certain bars or certain hotels, certain restaurants, and a beer will run you about, on average from what I experienced, $15 for one beer. One beer. So not the cheapest, bit pricey to drink in Qatar, but 
you know, that that's that's the information I have for you. As for the stadium itself, I went to watch Peru versus Australia. Obviously ended in heartbreak, but you know, the stadium was was top class. Um every seat has its own personalized like AC thing. I mean, you don't get to up, you know, lower it or, or raise it the temperature, but there there is personalized AC at least in the stadium we were at, at every seat. It actually made the stadium feel a bit chilly after a while. Obviously, Peru versus Australia went to extra time and then penalty kick, so it started getting a bit nippy in the stadium. But once you walked back outside, you felt that the, that, that heat smack you back in the face, even though it was nighttime. So it does get warm. Um, you know, As for the other stuff that, that's talked about, well, I will leave that to your experiences at the 2022 World Cup. You, we were able to wear shorts. People did wear shorts. Um, and there was no no issue there, but I don't know how strict they'll be once the World Cup comes around. So anyway, I, I you know if you're going to go to the Middle East for the World Cup, I would suggest at least taking a few days and going to Dubai. It's it's not that far from a flight, like an hour, maybe an hour and some change. And Dubai is incredible, incredible. That's where I started my trip. I ended in Mykonos, also went to Istanbul and uh, in Abu Dhabi, but. Yeah, Dubai. Franco was, Dubai has the money. <laughs> That's what you think. That's what you think. You don't even know. I could have been sponsored, or I could just be neck deep in debt. You never know. I, actually, <laughs> I might be using Inter Miami's lost allocation money to money yeah, <laughs> to, that, to fund that my trips. That is why we didn't get Garrett Bale in, in South Florida. <laughs> you heard it here, guys. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm there reporting breaking news and put, throwing me under the bus. Okay. Well, look, that does it for this week's show. Thank you guys again so very much for listening. We'll be back again next week after the July 4th festivities and after the July 4th game to recap Inter-Miami versus FC Dallas and preview the next edition of the Sunshine Clásico between Inter-Miami and Orlando City. So, for Andrea Yanis, for Steve El Primo Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again next